This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Acha! Hi, this is Benjamin Dewey, artist of Image Comics Tooth and Claw. I want to use I Was the Cat and my own tragedy series, Dot Tumblr. Taking a break from drawing to say, you're listening to the Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is my pleasure to welcome you to episode 186 of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, November 12th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not posing nude with my ass all greased up and breaking the goddamn internet, I am writing the Comic Speculator blog for WorkPoint.com. When we get to hit number 200, I'm just going to step in front of a bus. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> and I'm Joe Patrick. That's at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not dispelling rumors that I'm being considered for the new Reddit CEO job, Reddit's got a CEO? Yeah. And he stepped down suddenly this week. I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. You read the news sometimes. I just thought Reddit was some weird thing that the nerds invented. I didn't realize it was like a publicly traded or like an actual company. I don't think it's publicly traded. No, no, no. In this week's episode, you're going to hear our barely informed reviews of Deep State, number one, and Resurrectionists, number one. Not a word. After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics faster than we can bounce a probe off a comet. During the ludicrous speed round, then we'll visit the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where blood magic and blood sausage will come together to reveal the secrets of a couple of next week's comics. And finally, the comic pushers are back to give one comic junkie the fix they so desperately need. So, now that the polar vortex has swallowed the entire U.S., you can either make like a climate change denier and close your eyes and pretend it's not happening, or curl up by the fire, and then we'll talk about this week's big news! So much for global warming, am I right? (laughs) Celebrity writers are nothing new in comics. Novelists, movie and TV stars and comedians have been courted by publishers for years. Well, get ready for the latest big name celeb preparing to hit the comic stands. Phil Brooks. Who's Phil Brooks? Well, you may know him better by his stage name. CM Punk! Not stage Wrestling game. Whatever. Mr. Punk, who is an avid comic fan, will script a story in next year's Thor annual due out in February with art by Choose Rob Guillory. He's got some time because he's not wrestling anymore. Yeah, I get it. The story will feature an untold adventure of young Thor before he became worthy of holding Mjolnir from the man himself, quote, So the idea was let's do a story about a young Thor that's kind of a brash, bratty teenager who's like, I'm totally worthy of this hammer. My dad's full of shit. I don't know why I'm not worthy of the hammer. Here it says my dad's full of expletive. Well, that's because <laughs> that's because Comics Alliance is cowards. Not like us. All right. Look at all this cool stuff I did. Uh, end quote of Thor. Inner end quote. Mr. Punk doing Mr. Thor. All right. And it's more or less like a drinking story. He's going to be sitting around with a few choice characters from the Marvel Universe, and they're all going to be drinking and Thor is going to basically be complaining about essentially why his dad won't give him the keys to the car, basically, essentially. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> essentially, basically. Got it. But don't think this is it for the comics career of CM Punk. He's got lofty ambitions. Quote, oh, I think my original pitch to Axel Alonso in 2011 was, let me write the Punisher. In my mind, for some odd reason, I've just got this Punisher story in my head, and I think it's super, super awesome. I can read Jason Aaron's Punisher and everybody else's take on the character, and it's good, 
but I think that my Punisher story is pretty badass. I'm sold. <laughs> so everything I do for Marvel is going to be leading up to, please just let me write my Punisher story, end quote. Oh, wait, no. End inner quote of him pleading with Marvel. <laughs> so until they let me do that, you're going to get all kinds of other stories about all kinds of other characters until they satisfy this need I have to write Frank Castle, end quote. The man speaks in circles. He's a writer. <laughs> Apparently. Now, Matt, I know you're a wrestling fanatic. Do you have your pre-order ready to go? I don't know what to, what to make of this. I've never met CM Punk, but he's always very well-spoken in interviews, and everybody I've met that has worked with him, like we had a long talk with Jill Thompson, who... Oh, yeah, she loves CM Punk. She loves CM Punk. It's, oh, he's intelligent, he's well-read, he's well-spoken, you know, and so, I don't know, maybe he'd be good at this. Lord knows he's got some time now. I'm glad to see he's working. I was worried about the guy, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wish he'd come back to wrestling. I don't know why he didn't, but I think it was a, wasn't it a moral issue. He's not. No, it, I think it was more of a money issue. But oh, whatever. Yeah. He's not selling me on this Punisher story, but <laughs> he's not selling me on <laughs> like, any of these so stories. You come to Alex Alonso and be like, "Hey, I want to write this Punisher story." Well, cool. What's it about? It's gonna be. F- rad all right what's it about <laughs> oh, it's about being awesome it's a bad it's totally badass <laughs> oh, what, what's it about oh don't worry it's gonna be badass <laughs> it's definitely more badass than jason aaron's take on the punisher <laughs> i guess we'll have to wait and see it's one thing when the like celebrity writer is also a writer right right like, like jada com- pinkett smith's menace for example <laughs> no not like jada pinkett, not like rashida jones's frenemy of the state but with Patton oswald you know he's a he obviously writes his own comedy sure. the dude knows and he's a super huge comic fan so the guy knows right a little something about writing so maybe it's more like stan lee's striplerella stan lee's striplerella <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man oh at the very least okay i'll tell you what what has me very curious about this it's not cm punk writing thor it's rob guillory drawing thor yeah i mean it sounds like it's gonna be a funny story and rob guillory's perfect for stuff like that you know i mean great give us a, a four issue mini or a two issue special or whatever it'll I'll, be a backup story in an annual we're gonna pick it up it's we're fine. gonna read it it'll be fun to read sure. it might be a train wreck but you know what live the dream cm punk good for you buddy live the dream i'm glad you're working dc comics released information about the first wave of convergence titles launching in april 2015 by the way we're always gonna scream that oh like marvel it's gonna be like marvel no but now it's convergence <laughs> <laughs> and it's tailor-made to leave joe patrick a quivering pile of bloody sushi Ooh, gross right that is gross that was from the running man oh, okay <laughs> here's the rundown superman writer dan jurgens artist lee weeks and dan jurgens with norm ratman i don't know what that means <laughs> norm ratman is the anchor oh, okay superman and lois deal with the impending birth of their child as he's called to protect the city huh Pregnant Lois. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Superman with undies. Wonder Woman is going to kick the <laughs> shit out of Lois when she finds out about <laughs> this. The Atom. My writer, Tom Payer, who we haven't seen around for a long time. No. Artist Steve Yowl and Andy Owens. Ray Palmer finds that Ryan Choi is still alive. Together, they meet and confront Deathstork, the man responsible for killing Choi before fighting the invading extremists. All the extremists. Okay, does anyone out there care about Ryan Choi? We'll go ahead, make a noise. Some people cared about Ryan Choi. Make a noise now. And they <laughs> Ryan Choi. <laughs> no one cares about Ryan Choi. But the death of Ryan Choi was like a really bad thing that DC did. 
Like, well, they killed him poorly. Well, yeah, and but then they they, they, like, they delivered they like delivered him to Ray Palmer in the in a matchbox or something because he was still really tiny or something. I don't I, like it, it was, was something like that. It was yeah. really gross. It was his little murdered corpse. Yeah, yeah. Ugh, it but terrible. it was a dumb way to kill a character that nobody cared about. We agree. On Some that, people right? cared about Ryan Choi. Nobody. Okay. Just because we didn't care doesn't mean that I nobody would love cared. to hear from anyone that cared. Tweet at us. Whatever. Gail Simone wrote that book. I'm like, not saying yeah. she didn't. It wasn't very good. Batgirl. It was good. Written by Elisa Quitney. Artist Rick Leonardi, who we both really like. Yeah. And Mark Pennington. After a year in the dome, Stephanie Brown is not sure she wants to be Batgirl again. But what does this even mean? The dome, like they're they're trapped in the Brainiac thing. Oh, okay. Right? But when Flashpoint Catman attacks, Red Robin and Black Bat call her back into service. I don't even know what that sentence means. It, it's Tim Drake that is and nuts. Cassandra Kane and Stephanie Brown. This is nuts. Nightwing slash Oracle writer, Gail Simone, artist, Jan Duracima, who we also like, and Dan Parsons. Dick Grayson and Babs Gordon reevaluate their relationship under the dome wedding. What? I think they're saying that they're getting married. Oh, but Flashpoint Hawkman and Hawkwoman attack. And everything changes. Dang. What the hell? Those Flashpoint guys are jerks. Apparently. And why are they Flashpoint? What does that mean? Was it referring to the Flashpoint universe? The Flashpoint versions of those characters. Good God. Like, it's a theme. Like, the Flashpoint versions of these characters seem like the villains of the piece. Yeah, they were kind of jerks, apparently. Speed Force, written by Tony Bedard, artist Tom Grummert, and Sean Parsons. I personally feel like Tom Grummert draws everyone like they're 10 years old. Wally West and his kids are separated from Linda. Oh, the kids. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Which was bad enough, but when the dome falls, Flashpoint Wonder Woman comes for them. She's apparently a jerk, too. Yeah. Or she comes to save them. I don't think so. I hope she kills the twins again, because, man, <laughs> did they suck. Titans. Writer Fabian Nicesia, artist Ron Wagner, and Jose Marzan, Starfire and Donna Troy, Come to get Roy Harper, who has gone into seclusion since the death of his child. Oh, no. And the loss of his arm. Oh, God. We're going back to this. <laughs> my hands are on my head. And he can't find his dead cat. Oh, God. But then Arsenal has to choose between his team and resurrecting his dead daughter. Oh, now there's a note here that Newsarama put up. Uh, Fabian, <laughs> the writer Fabian Nacieza said on Facebook that the description provided by DC was not 100% accurate. What the hell? Like, uh, hopefully that means none of this. Like is whoever happening. wrote the copy didn't get 100% right. I hope that means that not, we are not going back to that JT Kroll bullshit. That was the worst Roy Harper story ever told. All right, all right. And we're on. revisiting this. Move on, move on. Justice League by Joe and I's favorite writer, Frank Thierry. Guy does not get enough work with artist. Vincente Cifuentes, sexiest man in comics. When Supergirl, Zatanna, and Jade went to Jesse Quick's baby shower. <laughs> Good Christ. <laughs> they didn't expect to be taken to another planet for a year or to be attacked by Flashpoint Aquaman. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes as hard as I can. <laughs> well, keep reading. <laughs> the question written by Greg Rucka with artist Cully Hamner. Two-Face is fighting another world's Harvey Dent, and it's up to Renee Montoya as the question to help him beat the odds. Montoya. Yeah, I mean, Greg know, Rucka coming back. That'll be fun for two issues. Batman and Robin, writer Ron Mars, artists Dennis Cowan and Klaus Jansen, Bruce Wayne and Damien have friction with Red Hood before the extremists attack. Now they're mentioning the extremists. We don't know. 
The extremists are villains that originated in Justice League Europe in the 80s, and they were, um, they're essentially analogs of Marvel characters because they're from an Earth where uh, it was essentially, it was a, it was a, a mirror of the Marvel universe. So the leader is this guy, Lord Havoc, who is an analog of Dr. Doom. There's a Dr. Octopus guy. There's a Dormammu kind of guy. Okay. The extremist. So this is not Peter Milligan and Ted McKeever's extremist. No. Okay. <laughs> that's that's kind of where I was. Harley Quinn, writer Steve Pudge with artists. Steve Puke. <laughs> Phil Winslade and John Dell. Harley Quinn is enjoying her normal life under the dome until Catwoman and Poison Ivy draft her to fight Captain Carrot. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the art that this is like the, the Paul Dini, yeah. the traditional Harley Quinn. It's yeah. not like the the boobed out corset wearing joe the pre-new 52 universe is sort of kind of here in full effect <laughs> what the f- are we gonna do with this all right i don't know Why man do we even talk about this i don't know i like i, I know that some of it sounds kind of goofy and that's fine because it's just it wackadoo it's just two issues that contribute to a larger story and i'm fine with it for a fun little roller coaster ride they don't all sound great like i'm not I don't yeah, need to revisit not one of the words. <laughs> I don't I don't need to revisit. <laughs> I don't need to revisit some of these concepts. I would be perfectly happy to never mention the whole uh dead daughter robot arm oh, God. version of Roy Harper ever it's again. So bad. But the point is is that they're picking up these characters where they were left behind. Kind of, it seems, yeah. And I think it's really interesting that the flash like the extremists keep popping up and the flashpoint characters keep popping up. So they're I don't know if they're working with Brainiac or slaves of Brainiac or I whatever. Don't I don't know. But if you were going to go back to the old DC 52, I mean, we got to crawl back up Flashpoint's butt, right? I, <laughs> I guess. That's where it all came out. Or we could just <laughs> pretend it never happened. Yeah, but, there's that too. I, I mean, that's my philosophy. Just pretend it never happened. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay linear. This is the first confirmation of what has been rumored for a long time. This is like the full on return. Right. Of these, this version of these characters, stuff that they said we'd never see again. Yeah, like that they was came out and said overwritten. It's right? done. Like, it's gone. Like, like, they put in the VHS tape of the DC universe, yeah. and they accidentally recorded the new Fifty Two over it. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, and and a somehow, wild, like Wildstorm got in there, <laughs> just like VHS. T- <laughs> yeah, you gotta Technology. adjust the tracking. There's, yeah, if you move the tracking just right, you could see little bits of the old right. you know, DCU. Yes, I agree. I don't need to talk about a lot of this stuff anymore. Wally's kids, whatever. I'm just happy to see Wally, like for real, my Wally. No, definitely. Um, Nightwing and, and Barbara Gordon as Oracle is huge. Greg Rucka coming back to do to do the question is Superman huge. Superman and Lois. Superman and Lois still married, obviously. I if guess. this is pre New Fifty Two, making babies. Uh, but Stephanie Brown back as Batgirl. Cassandra Cain in action. No, we all agree. If Superman and Lois did it, she'd just explode, right? I don't know. No, like, I don't pow! subscribe to that philosophy. <laughs> Kevin Smith, thanks a lot. This seems like the James Robinson version of the Justice League that we had before, sort of. And I'm not really into that so much, but yeah, I don't know. I, a lot of these sounded cool to me. And but then a lot of them were surprising. Like if you were going to revisit a concept, why'd you pick that one? Yeah, some weird choices, man. I don't know. I'm very curious. And I knew that the creative teams weren't going to be the headliners because those people are taking the time off to move and and staying caught up on their ongoing books. But that's when Frank Thierry gets a job, you know. But Greg Rucka, Steve, uh, Phil Winslade, and Steve Pugh, those guys are awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love Ron Mars. I love Fabian Nicieza and Gail Simone still doing stuff. I, 
this isn't a train wreck by any means. It's not like it's not a train wreck, but it's definitely a weird train stunt. Like the train is leaping over <laughs> a gorge or something. Like whoa! Oh. <laughs> like it's either going to be awesome or the train's going to smash into the wall and go down into the carriage. I will. Crevice. I will <laughs> accept that analogy. And here's hoping that they pick up enough speed to to jump the thing. Good luck, boys. Yeah. Remember how Fox is making a Fantastic Four movie that barely has anything to do with is the Fantastic that's Four? still happening? Have you allowed yourself to become cautiously optimistic that the film will be kind of okay? Well, brace yourself. Toby Kebbell, the actor cast as Doctor Doom in the FF reboot, spoke with Collider recently, revealing some distressing news about everyone's favorite supervillain. Quote, He's Victor Damashev, oh. not Victor Von Doom in our oh. story. And I'm sure I'll be sent to jail for telling you that. Yes, I hope you do get sent to jail. No doubt. The Doom in ours. I'm a programmer, a very antisocial programmer. And on blogging sites, I'm Doom. Oh. End quote. <laughs> so rather than the compelling dictator with a dark past connected to our heroes, He's Mark Zuckerberg. Is Doom a Gamergate <laughs> supporting internet troll? Matt, a friend asked this week if Fox was purposefully trying to lose the rights to this franchise, and the only response I could come up with was, hopefully. <laughs> I feel like this is Fox being Fox. This is Fox going, hey, we know what the kids want. They, uh, they like the faces book. And the Instagrams. Oh, and, uh, you know what? The hey, they sure are mean to each other in these comments. What if we made a bad guy that was really mean to people? In DC, the DC cast the guy that uh, invented Facebook as Lex Luthor. <laughs> Let's make ours a blogger. God, this is. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I, I, I just. First of all, my favorite Marvel villain, Doctor Doom. Far and away, my favorite villain. There is nothing wrong with that character that doesn't instantly translate to the screen. No. I mean, we, everyone in the world knows what an iron-fisted despot, you know, looks like, talks like, and acts like. Here's one in Western Europe, you know, that you have to deal with. Oh, and he has magic powers. You know, like, oh, shit. Yeah. I mean, and he's got a metal face. Awesome. This is dumb. This is so dumb. Do you remember when uh, they launched Ultimate Fantastic Four? They finally got, ar got around to creating Doctor Doom. Yeah. And he was named Victor Van Dam. Yeah, and he was like a gypsy kid. And he had horse hooves, and he yeah. lived in a shanty town. Ugh. And he had like liquid metal powers and breathed farts or something. Like way cooler <laughs> than this. I would rather have that, actually. <laughs> yeah. I would rather have that be what's going on. Yeah. Uh, this, everything about this movie fills me with dread. Dread. Well, now I'm past the dread, because now where I was dreading it before, now I can't wait to see it yeah and the worse it will be the happier i'll be Oh, absolutely because if this tanks yeah then it's only a matter of time before disney says well yeah i told you so or fox goes well i guess you can't make money in comic book movies anymore <laughs> it's obviously not our fault scuttle the x-men project the little jerks are done with it i guess <laughs> now i'm at the point where i want this movie to be as bad as possible yeah i kind of hope it explodes and every time they come out with some new piece of news i'm like yes yes because i want to wallow in its misery absolutely this is just the worst <laughs> the
That is the terrible big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these terrible stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up on the THN forums. We're Joe and I are pitching our Fantastic Four script that sees the first family as a group of discarded pets that encounter a mutant ooze in the sewers of New York that transforms them into the Fantastic Ferrets. These lost creatures are discovered by Herbie, a reincarnated ninja master trapped in the body of a giant cockroach that teaches the ferrets to fight crime with martial arts, Joe. I think we've really got something here. To Hollywood! <laughs> Every Sunday, the masked despot, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in the THN forums. Joey, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's question comes courtesy of Lord Steven, our master of coin. He wants to know, what is your favorite cameo appearance of a major character in a fringe title? For example, his favorite all-time single-issue Superman comic is Hitman 34. Okay. Uh, where Superman just shows up on the roof and, well, I won't go into it. Because in case Steven calls in and talks about it, but it's pretty great. That's a good choice. It's <laughs> a really good choice. So a kind of an off the beaten path title where iconic guy shows up yeah. for five seconds, does something cool or stupid or whatever. I often refer to those as the please, please, please buy this comic book. Issue. Oh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> you have until 5 p.m. Like, oh, look, Wolverine's in power pack, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. That actually happened. I remember. You have until 5 p.m. this coming Friday, November 21st to get us your answer. You can call and leave a message with your answer using Skype. The Skype handles two-headed nerd, all one word. Or you can call the Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Or send an MP3 to two-headed nerd at gmail.com. Please keep it short, under three minutes. You will get cut off. It has happened to the best of us. I don't care who you is. If you need more time than that, feel free to write your full answer in the question of the week section of the THN web forums. And remember, one answer. Narrow it down. It's review time on THN, where Joe and I take a look at two of these week's comics and completely miss what the creators were trying to present altogether. <laughs> That's true. Sorry about that, guys. Joey, what'd you pick to review this week? This week, I'm reviewing Deep State number one from Boom Studios, written by Justin Jordan, with art by Ariella Christentina. I picture her as a beautiful Russian princess. Yeah. When secrets need to stay buried, Agent James Harrow is the man for the job. The truth behind the JFK assassination, Nikola Tesla's secret final invention, and the real cause of cattle mutilations, Harrow has seen it all. Now, Harrow and his new recruit have to figure out what came back from the real first moon landing in 1964. Spoiler alert, it's nothing good. Spoiler alert, we never landed on the moon. Oh, yeah, we did. I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been excited for Deep State for a while now, and while I did enjoy it, it's got a few small problems that gave me pause. It's a very X-Files setup, a reverse X-Files, really. And this reads exactly like the first episode of that show with Harrow and his new partner, Ms. Branch. I don't even think her first name is ever mentioned. I think it's Miss. I think it's Miss. <laughs> Playing the roles of Mulder and Scully. Ms. Branch isn't necessarily the skeptic that Scully was. In fact, she's a little too eager to accept that everything Harrow is telling her is true. Sure, she gets a brief phone call from her boss confirming Harrow's identity, but everything else he says is insane, and she readily accepts it as fact. And not only is Ms. Branch not identified by her first name, but there's no sense of which governmental organizations she worked for, or even what her job was. She carries a gun, but she's never identified as an agent of anything, 
And I'm just assuming the governmental part. I'm not saying I need to see her filling out a W-2 and reading the employee handbook, <laughs> but everything falls into place a little too easily. Yeah, she could have been a mailman. Yeah, she could have been. Which I refer to as a female man. A female man. <laughs> Harrow, <laughs> Harrow isn't all that fleshed out either, but he's the mystery man, so I'll give it time to build. He's surprisingly forthcoming and helpful for someone tasked with protecting the world's hidden secrets. So much so that I find it kind of odd. Yeah, like what if she had said no? Exactly. My first thought was if she had said no, yeah. would he have like killed her? He's like, I'm top secret dude from super above clearance, you know, like organization that doesn't exist that covers up. <laughs> I know who killed JFK, whatever. Do you want to join me? And she's like, no, nah, I'm not interested. And he's like, oh, ooh. E. I guess I shouldn't have told you all that stuff. Huh? <laughs> you know, like you're really bad at your job, right? <laughs> but the story moves quickly, and it's a fun ride, if not a little too cliched. Predictably, our agents have a run-in with local law enforcement while the threat makes its way to civilization. Kudos to Jordan for not falling back on the local cops and feds hate each other trope. Uh, they were actually very pleasant and worked yeah. together. And the local cop was like, "I don't know what the." This is going on. You're welcome to it, guy. And even the local cop was like, no, you don't have to show me any identification. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, you that's got a true. suit on. That's good enough for me. Yeah. You know, the guy could be a funeral director, an orthodontist. I mean, like. <laughs> <laughs> the art by Ariella Christentina is kind of problematic for me. Stylistically, I think she's great. She's got a loose, scratchy, Bilson Kevich kind of style. But there's also a cartoony quality to her work that I really enjoyed. My problem stems from some awkward panel construction. There are moments where it was completely unclear what was going on. I've seen other examples of her work on her website, and she's amazingly talented, but here to be kind of lacking. I really did like the book. I know it sounds like I'm being very hard on it, but the more I examined it, the more the whole started to show. I love the premise, and I know that the creators have the talent to pull it off well, but they need to tighten things up a little bit here and there, so I'm giving number one a skim it. Yeah, I, I don't have much to say about this other than I agree with everything you just said. I had the same exact reaction. The like, end. We were talking about it before we recorded. You thought she was a cop uh, or some a kind of agent or something. I thought maybe she was a reporter that happened to have a gun. I had like it was completely unclear. Right. And the only the only thing that makes me think she is an agent is that she refers to her boss as Chief senior agent in charge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And, and actually, she calls him SAC, and I had to look up what that meant. And she was calling him Sir as well. Yes. So, and so it, it was it's really just unclear. Very unclear all around. Yeah. Really unclear. Huge leaps in logic. You know, they just jumped. If you're going to give us an origin story of this character, then you need to flesh it out for a few issues. Otherwise, just drop us in the action yeah, and let us the, slowly drop. New partners already yeah. in progress. Go. Drop parts of their origins later on in the story. This yeah. was just bad execution. And I'm giving it a skimming as well. Matt, what are you reviewing this week? This week, I am reading Resurrectionists, number one, from Dark Horse. Written by Fred Van Lenty with art by Maurizio Rosenzweig. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah. yeah. Like uh, Italian and Jewish. He's a mutt like me. I love it. 32 pages, $3.50. It's no secret that Joe and I are huge fans of Fred and Van Linty's work. I still miss his monthly Hercules book at Marvel and often tweet my disdain for Marvel's lack of the Herc as of late. Where is that dude? So whenever Van Linty has a new series, I'm going to check it out. Here we meet Jericho Way, an ex-architect turned thief that's slowly figuring out that he can not only remember his past lives, but borrow skills from them. 
The premise of the book is fleshed out in the first three pages where we meet an agent named Lena who dispatches a group of pursuers by drawing on skills from several of her past lives. Artius Rosenzweig does an amazing job keeping the action moving and colorist Marino Denisio, very Italian group here, is fantastic changing the color of the past life versions of Lena into a sepia tone with a red glow to illustrate the idea. We don't learn much about Lena other than she's been tasked with finding Jericho before he realizes who he is. In the meantime, Jericho and his partner are attempting to steal a page from the original Egyptian Book of the Dead, and through a very impressive flashback, we come to learn that Jericho has been intimately involved with ancient Egypt, but in a past life. Van Lenti is spot on with his dialogue in both modern day scenes with Jericho and his partner discussing why beautiful women come to museums and ancient Egypt, where we see Jericho in his past life deeply in love with his pregnant wife. The real star here is Rosenzweig's art, though. He's got a Ramita Jr. sensibility about his style, but tops him in depth and details of his panels. There's some truly beautiful moments here, along with one particularly haunting page during the Egyptian flashback. I can't say enough about Denisio's colors, too. The two artists brought this book to life and gave it a real depth and warmth that's hard to find on the stands these days. This feels like a passion project by Van Lenti, and the art team accompanying him could not be better. I'm really curious to see where this goes, and it's been a while since I've been excited about a new Dark Horse series. I'm giving this a buy it. I liked it, too. It's funny you mentioned John Romina Jr., because who I thought of immediately when I saw the artwork was Tom Fowler, uh, the guy that relaunched okay. Quantum and Woody yeah. at Valiant, and he also drew that miniseries uh, Mysterious the unfathomable for wildstorm before wildstorm folded yeah i think that's right and it had a re that real like kind of like eric powell in the sense that like certain characteristics of all these characters are uh really exaggerated but not like in a caricature kind of way right and eric powell does it as well so i i, I really liked the art the story is cool uh, i love the past lives uh, bleeding into the present life that's neat and this this guy, uh, this art thief guy, doesn't know that this is who he is, and this right. is uh, what he's in store for. But it also kind of seems like maybe he's been trying to steal this for a really long time. Yeah, you know, it's funny the uh, the solicit maybe, or it might have been the description in the beginning uh, makes reference to the fact that they keep trying to steal, like the resurrectionists keep trying to steal the same thing over and over, but right. they don't know it. Uh, and I think that's a really fun idea. This is a really interesting book. Great art. I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I kind of felt a little bit like I did with Deep State in the sense that not that it moved too quickly without setting things up, but uh, I felt that they could have spent a little bit more time explaining a few things here and there, but not in a way that I was lost or anything like that. Okay. It, it, I still really enjoyed it. I'm giving it a buy it as well. Cool. So that is a... Double skim it for Deep State number one and a double buy it for the Resurrectionists number one. Of course, we want to know what you shadowy government spooks and reincarnated thieves thought of these comics. So break into the ziggurat and hit us with your opinions. Or you can just go to the THN forum. Which you can find by clicking the forum button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. It seems mankind has taken another giant step this past week when the Rosetta spacecraft landed a dishwasher-sized probe on Comet 67P, Churyumov Garashmenko. That's pretty good. <laughs> Only one problem. 
a bunch of Euros in Germany were responsible. So Matt and I decided America wasn't going to be left behind. No, sir. We've used our listeners' generous donations to build a rocket and spacecraft of our own. Isn't a rocket and spacecraft the same thing? Well, no, the rocket puts the spacecraft into space. I got it, I got it. That we'll use to put the first American astronaut on the same comet. So join us now as we buckle in America's bravest patriot and the first man to walk on a comet, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Who better? Who will reclaim America's rightful place at the pinnacle of space exploration. Matt, all systems appear to be a go. But truthfully, I don't think you, me, and Beeps have any idea what we're doing, and it may result in the death of a wrestling legend. Prices have to be paid for pioneering exploration like this. Regardless, let's hope for the best and begin our countdown to launch while we review 10 more of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed, go! The Lone Ranger, vindicated, number one from Dynamite. Jonah Hex co-writer Justin Gray takes the reins for this new, no pun intended, sorry, (laughs) for this new Lone Ranger mini about the masked vigilante of the West and his Indian partner, Tonto, investigating a well-organized group of stagecoach robbers. Artist Ray Villegas does a solid job in art, giving the story a very Silver Age Western feel, although I swear he borrowed some scenes directly from the video game Red Dead Redemption. Maybe. I swear he did. But the story just never really grabbed me here. I want to read and enjoy a monthly Lone Ranger title, but it seems Dynamite is still trying to recapture the magic from the 2006 series written by Brett Matthews with art by Sergio Carrillo. If you get a chance, pick those up. They were fantastic. Keep trying here, guys. Or maybe call Brett Matthews and see what he's up to. Skip it. Superior Iron Man, number one from Marvel. Tom Taylor and Yildre Sinar relaunch Iron Man for the umpteenth time, this time spinning out of the pages of Axis. Asshole Tony is back in full effect thanks to the big inversion, and he set up shop in San Francisco, bringing extremists to the masses for a price. I really liked this. Great art by Yildre Sinar. I'm not sure how long Marvel can keep things going with the character like this, but I'm definitely interested in seeing where it goes. Buy it. Have we seen the actual inversion yet? Has it happened? It was in Axis, yeah. Okay, it was in Axis 5. Axis 3. Drifter, number one from Image. The creators of the oversized and underrated Viking miniseries, also from Image, bring us the story of Adam Pollux, who barely survives a crash, landing on a backwater mining planet. Artist Nick Klein does an amazing job fleshing out the planet that has a very Borderlands game feel to it. There's definitely an interesting story with a space western revenge theme brewing here, and I can't wait for more. Get on board with this series before first printings are selling for more than 50 bucks. Buy it. Captain America and the Mighty Avengers, number one. Al Ewing and Luke Ross relaunched the Mighty Avengers with a much higher profile thanks to Captain Falcon. This book is so heavily tied to Axis that you'd think it'd be inaccessible, but Ewing does a great job setting up the story he wants to tell with the character's new status quo. At first, I didn't love what Luke Ross was doing with the heavy shadows, but after a second reading, I totally see what he was going for. Well-written and gorgeous. This is one of Marvel's hidden gems. Buy it. Django Zorro, number one from Dynamite. Matt Wagner and Quentin Tarantino team up for this all-star Western team-up. Haha. Only, I can't say I noticed any of Tarantino's famous dialogue. This really just kind of read like a solid issue of Wagner's Zorro, but here we see him as a much older gentleman, and it looks like he might be grooming Django to don the mask. Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, but I mean, like... It really seems like that was where they're going. Like, by the time this is over, Django might be Zoro. He's going to be the fox. It's really cool. Solid art by Esteve Poles and good enough story. I'm giving it a strong skimmer. Good enough. 
Yeah. Says Matt Baum. <laughs> Good Put enough. that on the cover at number two. Yeah, we might need this. The Kitchen, number one from Vertigo. <laughs> Ollie Masters and Ming Doyle spin a tale about the wives of three Irish mobsters that were sent to prison, leaving the ladies to do their dirty work while they're away. It's a great premise, and the book oozes with 70s style. I'm not normally a fan of Ming Doyle, but this book looks good. I'm going to need a little bit more from these characters to give me a reason to root for them. I mean, they're pretty awful people, but I'm on board for now. Buy it. All new Captain America number one from Marvel. It's the surprise that surprised no one. The Falcon takes over his cap, but Rick Remender is still writing with Stuart Immerman on pencils, and man, does he make this comic look good. There's not a lot of story here as we watch Sam invading an underground Hydra base, but Immerman's art is so good that I didn't mind. I only had one question after reading it. Who was this nomad? You weren't paying attention. This I, is apparently Steve's son from Dimension Z. I just feel like they didn't spell that out really they well. They spelled it out repeatedly in the previous volume. Did Maybe they? not in this issue. Okay. Definitely but not in this issue. If you've been reading Captain America, it is not a surprise that this is... I have. I was a little lost. I don't mind Ian as nomad. That's sure. kind of cool. Buy it. Bigger Bang, number one from IDW. This is an odd little book from DJ Kirkbride and Vasilis... Godzilla. But Vasilis Godzilla's. <laughs> I love the idea of a Superman being born out of the death of a universe with every being in the new universe fearing him as some kind of destroyer. Weird and fun, crazy art, but in a neat, abstract way, not a hard-to-follow way like another book I mentioned this week. Buy it. Archer and Armstrong, the 1%, number one from Valiant. Writer Ray Fox proves he's more than just DC's fill-in guy here and introduces readers to a truly terrifying and new nemesis for Archer and Armstrong. Morning Glory's artist Joe Isma is on pencils and he's killing it here, detailing the debauchery of the younger generation of the 1% that's tired of watching the old guard play by the old rules. This was insane, hilarious, violent as hell, and I loved it. I'm giving it a buy it. Batgirl, number 36 from DC. I was hoping that the second time would be the charm with the new Batgirl creative team, but while Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher dialed back on the hashtaggy nonsense, I feel like they don't really know how to write this character at all. I feel like they've never read an issue of Batgirl. Now, I get that it's essentially a reboot, so it's not about judging it based on what came before, but they write Babs as hyper-capable one moment and completely incompetent the next. It's like they want to give her the Hawkeye treatment, but they don't want to go go full Hawkeye. I really do adore the art, though, by Babstar. I'm giving it a skim it. It was better than the last one. I'd leave it for me. I'm done. But not by much. Yeah, I'm done. I like the art. Whoa! That is your ludicrous speed round, and whoa! Is the sound of a G6 jet exploding with the remaining members of the 1% on board, as seen in the pages of this week's Archer and Armstrong, the 1% from Valiant. Don't listen to that last part if you don't want that book spoiled. <laughs> it's that time of year again, where Joe and I invite a couple of friends to the Sanctum Sanctorum to make some sausage. This year, we decided... Tradition! Yeah, this year we decided to get serious and invited our buddy, Brother Blood to make some of his famous blood sausage. Neither Joe or I bothered to ask where the blood came from, but after consecrating our sausage stuffer and tasting the results, ancient evils whispered the secrets of next week's comics into our ears. That is some serious sausage. Joey, what is the arcane blood sausage chosen for you? 
Next week, I am excited for Apocalypse number one from Legendary Comics, written by Jonathan Hennessy with art by Shane Davis. Jonathan Hennessy sounds like a fake name that Aziz Ansari would use to get into a cool club. (laughs) (laughs) Here's your solicit. Legendary Comics turns history on its head with the sci-fi adventure Apocalypse, a mind-bending new series from historical author Jonathan Hennessy, who wrote the United States Constitution, colon, a graphic adaptation. Boring. <laughs> and acclaimed artist Shane Davis. You may know him from Superman Earth One. Graphic not novels. good. <laughs> his art is good. His just art is not good. on that yeah, book. His art is good. When a mysterious space-time phenomenon causes 600 years of human history to collapse into a single era, societies from the past, present, and future are forced to coexist in a dystopian civilization. To set the timeline straight, an elite team of resynchronization officers must rid the world of anachronisms, <laughs> futuristic artifacts that threaten the very laws of time. To ensure our future, we must undo it. As one defiant officer leads the manhunt for elusive scientist Dr. Tomorrow and notorious outlaw The Salesman, he is challenged by shadowy agencies, rebel militias, and forbidden desire. Whoa, it got sexy. Can our hero save history or doom the future? A lot of $10 words in that solicit. It's got a lot of words. Well, what do you expect? It's written by a a historian. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This just sounds fun. Sounds cool. A bunch of time periods coexisting in the same time frame. Yeah. And this guy is the police of it. I love it. He's the judge dread of this world. And Shane Davis really is good. Yes. Like, I did not like the art in the most recent Superman Earth one. I I didn't. didn't. I didn't either. But I do think Shane Shane Davis is very talented. And the cover looks cool. I'm interested in checking this out. Matt, what's your pick? Next week, I'm excited for Intersect, number one from Image, written and painted by Ray Fox. That name keeps coming up. Here's the solicit. Blood rains from the skies. A hypnotic voice trills over the airwaves as bodies shift and grow in horrifying new directions. Are you ready for the new world? Ray Fox, acclaimed creator of One Soul and writer of Constantine and Batman Eternal, launches a terrifying monthly odyssey of madness and warped flesh in this lush, fully painted Debut issue. It's gonna be nuts, man. I'm gonna get high and read it. You don't really, uh, <laughs> you don't really hear many horror, horror anything described as lush. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I'm not even Swamp Thing, really. No, I think it's gonna be pretty wacky stuff. The THN trade of the week goes to Saga, the deluxe edition hardcover volume one from Image Comics, written by Brian K. Period Vaughn, with art by Fiona Staples. Staples. Yeah, I know. We all know. All right. At long last, a deluxe hardcover of the Eisner and Hugo award-winning Saga is finally here, collecting the first 18 issues of the Smash Hit series. This massive edition features a striking new cover, as well as special extras, including never-before-seen sketches, script pages, and a roundtable discussion with the creators about how Saga is really made. Altogether, this hardcover contains over 500 pages for less than 50 bucks. Hot damn! It's $49.99. Quit kidding yourselves. Hey, the penny less. Written by Eisner Award-winning Best Writer, Brian K. Vaughn, and drawn by Harvey Award-winning Best Artist, Fiona Stapes. Saga is... I just like Fiona Stapes. I'm trying it on. It sucks. Little nickname. That sucks. Yeah. Uh, you call her Fifi Staples, if you want. How about Fifi Stapes? No. Saga is the story of Hazel, a child born to star-crossed parents from opposite sides of a never-ending galactic war. Now Hazel's fugitive family must risk everything to find a peaceful future. In a harsh universe that values destruction over creation. 
Fantasy and science fiction are wed like never before in a sexy, subversive drama for adults that Entertainment Weekly called, quote, the kind of comic you get when truly talented superstar creators are given the freedom to produce their dream book, end quote. Collect Saga, 1 through 18. That's is, a lot of sagas. This is the Christmas present you get for anybody who's thinking about getting back into comics. This is it. Absolutely. Right there. Boom. I love me some Fifi's tapes. I'm telling you, when your name is as cool as Staples, you don't shorten it. <laughs> it's not like it's like Staplehauser or something, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> then we just shorten it to Staples. After you're done stuffing your holiday sausage, let us know what you're looking forward to reading next week over at the THM Forum. <laughs> Sorry, Mr. Dog. <laughs> Mr. Dog. This is about to happen. He's lying now. Snoop Lion. He'll always be Mr. Dog to me. With so much drama in the LCS, it's kind of hard being king of this nerdy mess. But I, somehow, someway, keep feeding nerds for comics like every single day. May I pick a little something for your kids yeah. and make a few ends as I breeze yeah. through Nine in the morning and the full speed jumping cause we open at ten. I got nerds in the parking lot checking the time and they ain't leaving till we close at nines. So what you wanna read? I got a pull full of comics just waiting for you. So turn on the lights and open the door. But well, what? that's not the right cover. Yeah. That's why you check your profile list. Nerds up, variants down, while you motherfuckers bounce to this. Ooh. Ooh. That was hot. It only took Joe Patrick like 17 times, but that was hot. Look, he's a <laughs> lyrical genius. <laughs> the comic pushers are back, kids, and we're slinging highly addictive comics to nerds just like you. This week, Ian the Villain on the THN forums writes us and says, I recently read Tricked by Alex Robinson and absolutely loved it. When I told the owner of our local comic shop, that's LCS for short, that's how the cool kids say it, Alter Ego Comics in Marion, Iowa. Plug. We know those guys. She informed me that one of the original series they pushed when they first opened in the mid-90s was Alex Robinson's series Box Office Poison. I bought it, read it, and couldn't put it down. I am looking for more books like that. Something along the lines of Tricked, Box Office Poison, or Minimum Wage, or even Local. Since I grew up in the 90s, stories that take place and revolve around Generation X and the slackers who drifted through it really take me to a special place. Joe and Matt. Can you please help me out with some suggestions? This was a very difficult question for me. And this is I'm, a tough one. I'm kind of expecting you to take the lead on this because I know that you have one answer that is like the answer to beat all answers. I've actually got a few. I read a lot of this stuff. My first go-to, and I think creator that in my, and people might freak out and not agree with me here, but one of the creators that just embodied 90s slacker comics, Evan Dorkin. I think we, oh, I didn't even think of that. Evan Dorkin. And you got to go back to his dork. Came out in 1993. Yeah. I fell in love with Evan Dorkin reading his Milk and Cheese comics, which mm -hmm. are wonderful. And you should pick those up, too. They're great. Dork was sort of the real adventures of nerds like Evan Dorkin growing up in the 90s. They weren't necessarily cool kids, but they were sort of on the fringe. They listened to weird music. They read weird comics. Dork was a collection of stories. There were several different stories in there. All of them were really, really fun. It was a it was yeah. A it was an anthology, anthology of short strips, yep. or sometimes uh, slightly longer form stories. Yeah, a lot of weird, surreal stuff. There'd be like 
there's that devil puppet right. <laughs> thing. So the murder family. Yeah, the murder like family. That. It's a lot of oddball stuff. Not necessarily the adventures of a slacker guy. No. But it's kind of I I it's totally think it fits into this vein. In that spirit. Yeah. Plays on that slacker marijuana humor of the nineties, basically. And you can get Dork is collected all over the place. You can get the complete Dork. Totally worth reading. Fun stuff. Next, I'm going to set you up with a man named Daniel Klaus. Klaus is an amazing artist. And uh, his Ghost World comic was turned into a movie starring Thor Birch and Scarlett Johansson. And they befriend uh, Steve Buscemi, who is an older blues record collector. It's an excellent story. Excellent comic book. Definitely worth reading, whether you like the movie or not. I would also look into his Eight Ball which is another anthology book. Like in fact, Ghost World appeared serialized in 8-Ball. It's true. Came out of the pages of 8-Ball. Eight 8-Ball, Eight another anthology, totally bizarre, really well drawn, very much in the spirit of like the 60s and 70s underground comics where just nothing was off limits. And some of it's really disturbing. Great stuff. David Boring, which is sort of loosely based on Daniel Klaus' experience in the corporate world. And then... Pussy, which is pronounced Pussy. <laughs> the adventures of an aspiring comic book artist in the 90s who goes to art school and leaves, creates uh, his own very successful comic. I can't remember the name of the superhero character, but it's a direct stab at Marvel and DC comic creators, like working in that machine in the 90s. And it is fantastic stuff. Really, really good loosely autobiographical again i think a lot of it has to do with his own experiences sticking with humor because mostly slacker comics do peter bags hate you've got to go yeah with that's peter the bags one i hate. knew you'd be able to speak on just fantastic i think if there's one that you're going to read you got to read buddy does seattle because it is the beginning of the grunge movement it is like right after nirvana exploded and nobody even really knew what the deal was with seattle and all the music coming out of there and buddy is the perfect slacker dork <laughs> that also has no idea what's going on basically him and all his loser friends living in seattle trying to be hyper cool and failing pathetically at it wonderful <laughs> wonderful stuff if you want to go back in time a little bit i would say check out love and rockets from the hernandez brothers specifically their stories locas what locas meaning like crazy chicks and Palomar, which sort of follows the story of two Chicano women growing up in late 80s, early 90s punk rock scene in L.A., basically in Southern California. Really, really well-written stuff. Perfectly just takes on the time. And, and you being an older guy like me, you're going to recognize everything they're dealing with. Really, really wonderful stuff. I can't say enough about Love and Rocket. The only thing that I could come up with to answer this question, other than hate, which I haven't read a lot of, but I knew Matt would be able to cover, um, is this superhero book from DC, because that's immediately where my brain always goes. Okay. Uh, DC published a short-lived series in the late 90s called Major Bummer. Yeah. And it was written by John R. Cutie, it and was it was great. drawn by uh, Doug Mankey. Yeah. Uh, those two guys also worked together on The Mask for Dark Horse. Major Bummer is about two alien college students that accidentally choose the wrong guy on Earth to give superpowers. Like, they they give the powers to Lou Martin, and they meant to give it to Martin Lewis. Right. And uh, so this, like, very stereotypical 90s-era slagger ends up with the powers of a Superman 
go. Yeah, you know? it's and, great stuff. Uh, chaos and, and craziness is drawn to him. That's like part of what they've done to him because it's an experiment on the alien's behalf to see what would happen. It's super funny. Uh, other characters in the book that all have also gained superpowers are equally funny. Like there's an older lady that can predict the future, but she's addle-brained, so she can't remember if she's thinking of the future or the past. <laughs> and there's uh, another guy, that this nerdy guy that sticks to walls and calls himself the gecko. And so it's like full of these very tick-esque yeah, very much so. Super characters. Well, f- read the tick. <laughs> While you're at it, just read the tick. <laughs> but uh, Major Bummer was great. It only lasted 15 issues. Uh, but it was, and I did not know this, apparently creator-owned. And so the rights reverted back oh. to Arcudi and Mankey, and it was recently collected, or a few years ago, it was collected by Dark Horse. The book is currently out of print or on back order at Diamond, which means there will be more. Your shop can't just order it now, but it will come back into print. So absolutely check out Major Bummer. It is really fun. And I think it fits in to that slacker, 90s slacker genre. Definitely. With, uh, Definitely. While still keeping a toehold in my safe zone right. of superhero comics. <laughs> I picked this question even though I didn't really have a lot to contribute to it. Because Ian says... He bought his copy of Box Office Poison from Alter Ego Comics in Marion, Iowa, which is exactly the same place where I bought my copy of Box Office Poison. Back when they were pushing it on people. Alter Ego Comics in Marion, Iowa is Shonix's comic book store. Hey. It's owned by our friend Super Fro's wife, Erin. Uh, famous on Twitter, Bavarian Aaron is her handle. Used to talk to us, doesn't anymore. She talks to us. <laughs> she, I think we upset her. No, we did not. She hates us. Uh, it's, a, you. it's a great shop. Absolutely <laughs> check it out because you never know what gems you'll find. I bought Box Office Poison just on a lark and Aaron recommended it to me and I was absolutely hooked. It's a great place to check stuff out and they ha- and they do uh, they heavily feature independent comics. Cool. So very cool. Thumbs stuff. up. Yeah. Great independent comic question. I love that. And that's right in my wheelhouse, man. That's when I was growing up all mad and sitting alone getting high and reading comics <laughs> and not much has changed since then thank you oh uh, real quick i wanted to just i wanted to say uh that on the forums he got he gained a few responses from our forum users yeah brian domingos uh brian helpful. domingos chimed in with one that i absolutely want to check out but never have had the opportunity ed brubaker's low life which is i never read that either which is autobiographical it's about brubaker's you know late teen years or early 20 something right. years and uh, I remember it being collected. I don't know if it's still in print, but I think that's definitely worth seeking out if yeah. you're looking for something like I this. I have not read that either. That's yeah. one that I meant to read. I've always, It's been on my list for years. I've, I've never found collected edition. I don't know if it even exists. Huh. Thank you so much, Ian. That was a great question. That was a really fun one. And if you guys need some suggestions from the comic pushers, you can hit us up on the THN forums. You can call us. At the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Or you can send us an MP3. Just tell us what you're into, what kind of stuff you dig on, and we will throw some comics at you that you cannot resist. And Ian, I want to hear what you thought of this stuff that we suggested. So if you pick any of it up, get on the forums and let me know what you think. We want to know if we're right on or not. Hit us up. Tell us what you thought of this stuff. I'm also putting out a call for rap song requests. Ooh, I like it. In the comic pusher section. In the comic pusher section. Because it's hard to come up with a, a, a fresh rhyme every week. It's true. 
let's be fair, it's got to be something that I've probably at least heard of. Yeah. Because I can't, I can't be rapping to, to some weird ass Africa bombata nonsense from whoa, 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 30 whoa, years whoa. ago. That's not weird. I love Africa. Yeah, bombata. I know, but like, I, it's not gonna be familiar to me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Have mercy, but I'll do my best. And now Africa bombata will be clothing. Okay, great. Sort of break it, break it down like this. And that is it for episode 186. THN, if two adult white nerds rewriting rap hits of the 90s is your idea of a good time. And how can it not be? You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or TuneIn, where we still need your star rating, your reviews, your thumbs up, or your little hearts, because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you to all of our donors, and if you want to keep us in pig blood and rocket fuel, you can do so by clicking our state-of-the-art PayPal button at TwoHeadedNerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. And if you're interested in sponsoring this shambling mound of a podcast, shoot us an email with the subject line, Sponsorship. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this pioneering list of resources, you can beg the comic pushers for a new read, hit us with your Ask a Nerd question or trivia, or defend your questionable nerd taste in front of the two-headed judge for our Defenders segment. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, carved into a meteor, whatever. And don't forget to sign up for the THN forums. It's your little virtual piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, make jokes about the size of my shiny butt, or just rap about comics. It is big and it's shiny. It is. Remember to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. Then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast. If you need more THN in your life now, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com, which I admit, I've kind of neglected this week. You son of a bitch. Look, I've been mad busy. I'm sorry. You have one job. No, I don't. I have many <laughs> jobs. But I've got a lot of content ready to go. I just need time to post it. All right, all We've right, got... Some new stuff coming from our buddy Charlie Tron once we figure out a good place to fit him in. All right. We've got nerdy book reviews from Andy McBride. We've got ludicrous speed reviews Aaron by Myers. Aaron Myers. Aaron Myers. We've got Saturday morning cartoons by Tony Mathers. Great stuff. And Tony wrote not one, but two different movie reviews for Nerd at the Movies this week. Maybe we can get them out in a timely fashion. Look, <laughs> I'll get them out while the movies are still in theaters. Thank you. Next week, we're reviewing DMC for our Take a Look. It's in a book segment. But before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our main man and IT professional, Mac Thrifner, whose first graphic novel, The Crippler's Son, was published this week by Fanagraphic. You can check out The Crippler's Son on Comixology right friggin' now. Word to you, Max. Super talented dude. Joe and I both love him. You can bet we're going to talk about The Crippler's Son more on this show. Ethics schmethics. Until next time, True Believers. Remember to pre-order your comics because a retailer just might piss you on the mouth for it and cripple you if you don't. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Boom, you're crippled.
Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.